feel like you were born in the wrong era? Do you pine for a time gone by? Well, you've come to the right place. I'm Kaya Handley. Welcome to This Retro Life. This week's guest, just like you, has so many vintage passions. From history to sewing, 1780s to the 1950s, collecting and curating. Online, she goes by the name The Homemade Pinup or The Homemade Historian. And to start our chat, I asked Lauren DeMarty what the term homemade means to her. So for me, the majority of my vintage wardrobe in the last couple of years have been homemade by me. So for me, it means something that I've made with my own hands for myself. Has that always been a thing in your family? No, I'm actually the only one pretty much to sew. I know a lot of people who sew have had, you know, their mothers or grandmothers teaching them, but I'm kind of the first one here to start the the tradition, hopefully. That's exciting. What was the first homemade thing that you sort of delved into? Oh, gosh, I started with costumes. I went to a Renaissance fair as, you know, a preteen And I saw all the lovely gowns that people were wearing there. And I was inspired to make one for myself. So I made a a really horrible polyester, bright, fluorescent orange (laughs) medieval style dress. So costuming was my first glimpse into the sewing world. And then I pretty quickly moved into making clothing for my everyday life. Was it unusual for preteens to be heading to Renaissance fairs? Were you a little bit different in that regard? Yes, absolutely. I had a a couple other friends who were equally as different and weird as I was. So we all (laughs) went together and kind of enabled each other that way. But I think we were the only ones in our school interested in that. What was it that pulled you in? I think just the fact that you go to this place and you wear different clothing and you're kind of transported to a different time. And I believe it can be like that with vintage clothing as well. So at that stage, you started sewing your own stuff. Was was that the base level of what you were interested in? Was the fashion element of it? Yes, absolutely. I'm really fascinated with how you can tell a story with the clothing that you wear and people see that first. So you're able to kind of give a glimpse into who you are just by the way you present yourself and the way you dress. That We're not going to call it horrible. That beautiful first garment, the orange polyester, did you teach <laughs> yourself how to make that? I did. Yeah. I remember I made sort of just a pleated square as my first test garment before I jumped into buying a commercial pattern and just following the directions and stumbling my way through it. That was probably around 15. And then around 18, I got into a different era and I made a lot of those clothing. And a few years later is when I started doing vintage stuff. So I always dressed kind of more vintage, but I didn't start making my own vintage. Thankfully, I live in California where there's quite a large vintage community And so there's a lot of events that you can go to. We have old historic buildings and people do dress up for those. And I didn't get too involved in that. But just seeing that around me and being able to follow the social media of people who did that kind of helps me find my way in vintage fashion. Yeah. Has that mean that you've delved into that historic side of it as well beyond just the fashion? Yes, absolutely. I I like everything vintage, pretty much music, the architecture, the art. I don't necessarily have a vintage lifestyle, I wouldn't say, but I am fascinated with it and I enjoy that aspect of it. 
So now you know a bit about where it started, let's delve into the two sides of Lauren DeMarty's vintage love, starting with the homemade historian. We're going right back to the 1700s because Lauren says 1780s and 1870s are her favourite classical eras. They're the ones she's drawn to most when it comes to fashion, to history and to making her own. There's something very soft and feminine about both of those eras because they were kind of flanked on either side by very, I don't want to say harsh, but extreme fashion styles. So there ended up being kind of um, a change into more soft, rounder styles and very feminine, a lot of pleating and ruffles and floofy things. And (laughs) I just really enjoy that side of it. Is there much difference between those two eras? Absolutely, yes. The silhouettes change based on the undergarments that they wore. So what we think of as a corset would be in the 1870s side. And then earlier, 1780s, they wore what were called stays. It still supported your bust and shaped your torso, but it was a totally different shape. That's kind of an upside down triangle versus the hourglass of the Victorian period. So definitely very different styles, but somehow both you know, almost 100 years apart, they ended up having that very feminine look to them. It's amazing how we all know in the vintage community that what you're wearing underneath really does change what you can wear on top. Yes, absolutely. You can't have those styles or really any historical style without first building from the skin out. So having those undergarments to support the outer look. We know that trying to find patterns sometimes from the 50s, even the the 40s or 30s can be hard. Just how challenging is it to find uh, patterns from the 1780s, Lauren? Oh, very difficult. Um, (laughs) We do have a few clothing historians who have released books where they have taken patterns directly from original garments and they put them kind of in a grid, but you have to size them up. You have to make them your size. You have to fit them. So it's not as common to be able to go buy a pattern that's already sized into different sizes the way a modern pattern would be for the historical styles, especially if you want something very particular. So you do kind of have to learn how to drape and how to make your own patterns, which is what I do for vintage as well, I think, because I, by necessity, had to start that way for historical. Is that just trial and error? Just looking at something, looking at a picture, being like, right, pinning it to a dress model and being like, how do I make the fabric fall like that? Pretty much, yeah. Um, Later on, many years after making my own patterns, I did take a draping and pattern making course at a community college just to see, you know, what I'm doing wrong, what I could add in there. But it is a lot of trial and error. How often do you get to dress 1780s and 1870s these days? I mean, fairly frequently. I feel like every few months one of those comes up. But in the California area, there is also a very large historical community. So if I want to dress up in a period, not necessarily those, but I feel like there's an event every weekend here um, <laughs> if you really want to be active. But I probably do one once a month or every other month. So there's definitely options. And then there's the homemade pinup, a love of 20th century eras that began like so many of us with vintage movies and TV shows. I was raised watching the vintage era movies from the 30s, 40s, 50s, because we have a family member who was a photographer in the studios um, in the 30s and 40s. So it's just kind of part of my family culture to watch those movies. And it had a huge impact on me 
loved them immediately, still love them. And just really interested in the way that the women dressed and how different it was from modern times. So when I was in high school, I think about 16, I decided I was only going to wear skirts and dresses, no more trousers, <laughs> no more jeans, uh, just kind of as a an experiment, yep. I guess I would say for myself. And I even told, you know, I told my teachers and friends I was doing this thing. And that really pretty much continued on. I, I do wear trousers now. But, you know, the vintage style ones, but primarily I still wear skirts and dresses. And that was, I think, directly influenced by watching those movies. And no one wore pants or trousers in them. No, no, it was all beautiful dresses, stunning dresses. Absolutely. Yes. Everyone always looks so much more dressed up than modern times. And I really enjoyed that. Did you dabble in a certain era to start with? Was the 50s where you went. It seems to be the gateway era sometimes. Yes, I I do believe that it's the gateway era. And I think because there's something so appealing about that, that you can still find many 50s influence styles now to buy. So that was definitely my uh, gateway era. I like the 30s and 40s for different things, but right now I'm definitely moving into the 40s on a more regular basis. Why do you think that is? What is it about the 40s that speaks to you? I think it's more streamlined, more... I don't want to say professional than the 50s, but there's something very flamboyant and just joyful and almost youthful about the 50s, which can be great. But for my daily look, I feel like what they were going for in the 40s, that kind of a little bit stern, a little bit masculine. The women looked kind of like, you know, they knew what they were doing just by the way they dressed. And that really appeals to me now as I'm getting older and I'm in the working world. 40s fashion for females, it was like sleek and powerful. Yes, absolutely. That's what it is. It's the powerful look. And I really enjoy dressing that and kind of taking that persona on. Is it considerably easier to make pieces from the 40s than from the earlier classic eras? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, I am just kind of coming back to vintage after a hiatus doing mostly historical stuff. So I did some vintage in between, but I'm currently making a pair of wide leg trousers and I made the mock-up in a few hours, you know, from start to finish. And I was amazed that something went together that quickly compared to something that might take me a few weeks if I was doing a historical style. So it's, it's a nice change. (laughs) (laughs) It means you've got more time to do other things for once. Absolutely. I can make more skirts and dresses. (laughs) (laughs) Being, you know, an incredible seamstress, what's the balance between true vintage and repro compared to the stuff that you make in your wardrobe? So I actually don't wear a huge amount of true vintage. And I mean, that's from a combination of things, but it's, Initially, because I couldn't afford it, yeah, um, which I think is very common because vintage is so popular now. And that's still definitely part of it. But the main reason why I prefer to make my own clothing is because I have a very particular style and, and design in my head of what I want to wear. And it's nearly impossible to find a true vintage piece that will check all the boxes off for me if I have something in mind. So it's just it makes sense to make it for myself you're automatically giving yourself more choice because you can make changes and you can make something specifically for an event and you can make something that specifically you're you're lacking in your wardrobe. That's exactly it. Yeah, I think of pieces that I need and I'm never going to find it, you know, in my size, in the color I want, in the shape I want. 
So that's why I make it. On her blog and her Instagram accounts for both The Homemade Pinup and The Homemade Historian, Lauren Damati has amassed a following as she shares her sewing projects, her historical discoveries and her vintage style. She says the biggest joy in sharing her style and her story is connecting with other like-minded history and vintage lovers. Knowing that I can inspire other people is a huge part of it and that's really encouraging for me to keep going when someone comments and says, looking at this thing that you make makes me want to go ahead and make one myself. Just kind of empowering other people to get into that, especially people who haven't started sewing yet. If they see something I've made and they you know, message me or comment, that they now want to start sewing, that's really satisfying to hear. Because that is something that you're you're trying to pass on. I know you were running lessons at, at one stage. What do you like about teaching the art of sewing? I really enjoy seeing kind of the the passion that people start to get when they realize that this is something that they can do. I find that sewing brings a big sense of accomplishment without having to put a huge amount of time into it. So, you know, you can sew a skirt up and it may not be the most complicated skirt, but you make it and you wear it and you feel proud of yourself for that. And I like seeing that happen to other people and to know that they can kind of, like myself, make their dream garment where they can't find it. Can even the the most unskilled sewer learn to at least do the basics that's needed in life? Absolutely, yeah. I've taught people from... You know, many different levels, different ages, different walks of life, and everyone's able to sew. I mean, you don't need a super complicated sewing machine. All you need to know is that straight stitch, pretty much, and you could sew a lot of things with that skill. So that's the best place to start, that straight stitch? Yeah, yeah. Just the the one stitch is pretty much what you'll use, you know, 95% of the time. And maybe how to sew on a button. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> button, buttonholes, you can get into that a little later. You can survive without it for a while, but yeah, the straight stitch is most of what you'll be doing and you can create a lot. I have to say that um, I still absolutely see myself as a bit of a novice sewer, but YouTube is such an amazing resource. Just how engaged is the sewing community online at the moment when it comes to teaching others? I think there's a large boom right now, especially if you know Gertie. She does, you know, pinup vintage styles and has her own patterns and stuff. But her blog was really, really popular. And I think people are really enjoying seeing someone else make something. And she's now teaching as well. And she has books and all of that. And just, I think, how popular those have been for one person doing, you know, one style of vintage sewing kind of tells what people are looking for and that they're interested in making these things for themselves. Do you think there is a bit of a resurgence in these old skills that our grandmothers and great-grandmothers so totally took for granted as just everyone was able to do it and now most of us can't do it? Do you think that more people are trying to find their way back there? I really hope so. Part of it is this kind of concern for the environment and being resourceful and not using too many resources. And so I have friends who are not at all involved in vintage, but they're interested in thrifting or making something just because it's easier on the environment and it's more sustainable. So I think people are looking to, you know, learn how to mend their own clothing and how to alter clothing to further contribute to helping the environment that way, even if they're not all involved in vintage. Mm. So 
Maybe that's just my little sphere of people I know who are interested in that. No, I think you're totally right. Yeah, it's surprising that, you know, that group of people could kind of cross over with our vintage group of people, but I think it is. Well, I think we share similar things. We want to express ourselves in fashion. We want to express ourselves through making things that suit us because there's something really empowering about making something for your body type. Especially when you go into a store and you try on something ready to wear and you're just so disappointed by how it makes you look or makes you feel that once you start making things custom and knowing, you know, how good it can fit you, it's kind of a, there's no going back from there. At no. least for myself, there's no going back. <laughs> no, I think you're completely right. Even just the ability to take one pattern that you know works really, really well and then just buy like 12 different fabrics and be like, I'll have one in every color. <laughs> yes, yes. That's something that I'm liking to do right now. <laughs> what project are you working on right now if we were to step into your sewing room? I have some beautiful burgundy gabardine cut out for a pair of wide leg 40s trousers um, inspired actually by the Agent Carter TV show, which is set in the 40s. So that's kind of exciting for me. Excellent. It's been so great to chat with you, Lauren. Thank you so much for, for being our guest this week on This Retro Life. Yeah, thank you for having me. I enjoyed speaking with you. That's it for this episode of This Retro Life. You can find us on Wooshka, iTunes and Stitcher where you can subscribe and of course rate and review us so it's easier for other guys and gals to find this podcast. To get more information on today's guest, head to our website thisretrolife.com or search This Retro Life on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We have some photos and videos and behind the scenes and a whole heap more retro fun so do come and check us out. As always, if you're a vintage guy or gal from any era and into anything from cars to collectibles, we'd love to hear from you. Go to thisretrolife.com and drop us a line. Until next time, I'm Kai Handley. Thanks for listening to This Retro Life.